everyone. Good morning. Good to see y'all today. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Amen. I was glad. You know, I, I get paid to come and be here on Sunday morning, but even if I didn't, I'd want to come be with you. Y'all think, I'm not joking. Um, yeah, I, we, as a family, we got to live, and, and I'm thankful that y'all pay, but... I love to preach the word of the Lord, and I love to be here with you. So if you were to break my plate, um, you might have to lock up the pulpit or lock me out or whatever. But, man, I just love to be in the house of the Lord with the people here. Um, last night, um, we had another display of how special it is to be a part of the Cherokee community. Amen. Um, man. I don't know how many people we had last night, and I've been asked, how many people do we think we had? I know people were filing out when others were filing in because we didn't have a ton of room in there, which we have a lot of room for a small church, but holy cow, there was a lot of people there. And so, um, correct me if I'm wrong, we're looking at, at when it's all said and done, nineteen, dollars $20,000 range. Oh, wow. Michael? Okay, 135 people. So we, we could get to, to $19,000, $20,000, but Amen. last night was, was great. And you know, I, I mentioned it. I'm going to try to hurry up here because we need to worship the Lord who blessed us with all this. But um, as somebody who is a, a carbonite, that's what we call ourselves, as someone who's a carbonite, I just want to thank you. I reached out to friends in carbon last night, let them know what we thought we were going to raise, and they said, we don't have any words. We just don't have the words, and so they're so incredibly grateful. So I praise God for this community. I praise God for our church. Michael, Linda, thank you all for getting last night together. He's going like this, but I... So you see uh, Kayla and David and the family, just let them know how much you appreciate them. Um, I'm going to read a thank you note real quick. Uh, Dear church family and friends, thank you so very much for your prayers, calls, texts, visits, and food. We appreciate you all very much. We're so very blessed to be a part of a wonderful church family and community. Love, Larry and Marcia. The card says your kindness has been a blessing. So good to see you here this morning, Larry. A few announcements in the bulletin. I'm just going to point them out. I'm not going to take time to read them since I've taken more time than I need to take at the beginning of the service. But there is an announcement about uh, a girls' retreat that's coming up next weekend. So if you need more information about that, talk to Brooke and uh, let her know that you're going to go. Uh, Our business meeting for um, April is next week. uh, But our uh, agenda is posted in the foyer. So if there's any kind of uh, business that you need to get on the agenda and Committees, it, make sure that, it, that, that you meet 
and let me know if there's something that needs to get on the agenda. Uh, that way that uh, committees are able to meet prior to um, uh, our meeting and then be able to make a recommendation to the church. Um, there's uh, also going to be a special meeting tonight where we're going to determine as a church what we're going to do specifically with the funds that were raised last night. So I hope you'll come for that. Um, there's a marriage conference in San Saba toward the end of the month. There's information out, on the foyer, out in the foyer, but you can also go to the church website there in San Saba. Um, it's time for Vacation Bible School. Uh, it's going to be here before we know it. And if you're interested in helping, there's going to be um, a brief meeting in the fellowship hall just to kind of get a head count of who all is interested in helping. Um, if you haven't gotten your third through sixth grader registered for Center Kid yet, uh, you can make sure you see Jerry. Um, also notice that our Easter schedule, believe it or not, next Sunday is Palm Sunday. And so two weeks from this morning is Easter Sunday. So notice that the Easter um, schedule is in the bulletin. Make note of that. It's, it's unchanged from what we normally do. But if you're not usually with us, then there's what you need to know to be where we're going to be in two weeks. And finally, um, our Annie Armstrong Easter offering, we are nearly there, $5,450. So we praise God for that. <clears throat> Any other announcements before we start? Okay. Uh, you might have noticed in the bulletin, uh, there's a section of our church constitution and bylaws in there. It's called the Church Covenant. So I'd like for you to take that out of your bulletin. Because at this time, it's in lieu of a call to worship, uh, we're going to say this together. So it sh you should have it in your bulletin. And what I want to ask you to do is to stick it in your Bible... And to read it when you get home. And then come back tonight because we as a church, we're going to begin to look at this covenant and say, does this really say things about um, how we covenant together to live as a church body? Um, does, it, does it say it in a way that, that we, it's easily understandable and it kind of encompasses accurately uh, what we believe the ideal for a church that God has, has called us to be? Realizing we're going to fall short of it, but we've got to have a goal. So, if you will, just read with me as we read our church covenant together. Having been led, as we believe, by the... Are you, are you reading with me? Okay. <laughs> Having been led, as we believe, by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and on the profession of our faith... Having been baptized in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit... We do now, in the presence of God in this assembly, most solemnly and joyfully enter into the covenant with one another as one body in Christ. We engage, therefore, by the aid of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love, to strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge, holiness, and comfort, to promote its prosperity and spirituality, to sustain its worship, ordinances, doctrines, and discipline to contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, to the expenses of the church and the relief of the poor, and spread of the gospel through all nations. We also engage to maintain family and secret devotions, to religiously educate our children, to seek the salvation of our kindred and acquaintances, to walk circumspectly in the world, to be just in our dealings, faithful in our engagements, exemplary in our deportment, to avoid all tattling, backbiting, and excessive anger, to abstain from the sale of and use of intoxicating drinks as a beverage, to use our influence to combat the abuse of drugs and the spread of pornography, 
and to be zealous in our efforts to advance the kingdom of our Savior. We further engage to watch over one another in brotherly love, to remember one another in prayer, to aid one another in sickness and distress, to cultivate Christian sympathy in feeling and Christian courtesy in speech, to be slow to take offense, but always ready for reconciliation and mindful of the rules of our Savior to secure it without delay. We moreover engage that when we remove from this place, we will, as soon as possible, unite with some other church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. Amen. Let's stand and worship together. Sometimes that's hard for me to do. I know it and I hear it. And I'm reminded of it. But there are days that leaning on Jesus is just a difficult task. But I thank God that even when I didn't care about doing that, He still loved me. And He loved me enough to make sure that His holiness was satisfied on the cross. 
pray together and then we're going to sing this song. God, we come to you this morning just confessing to you that we know what your word says. We know that you are sovereign and in control of all things. And although our world does not honor you, although our world does not worship you, we know that that doesn't sway who you are. So God, we come to you this morning just confessing this to you, Father, and asking you, Jesus, to do what you want to do in our hearts today.
Good morning. It's really good to see you guys this morning. Um, I hope you guys will forgive me if I ramble a little bit this morning. You know, Jared, how you say sometimes you have something all planned out, and then at the last minute the Holy Spirit just kind of says something different to you. But um, you guys, last week at the end of the service, we all stood up and prayed together for my brother. And that was such a blessing to me because that afternoon he passed away. And this week, while I've been cleaning his house, you would not believe all the fishing trophies that are in his house. He was quite a fisherman. He was a nationally renowned fisherman. So I dusted off fishing rods and fishing trophies. Um, his house was a mess, but <laughs> everything in it, all the pictures had to do with deer hunting or fishing. So I was really surprised when I found these two bags of balloons <laughs> because I thought, this is not like Porky. Why does he have these two bags of balloons? And then I remembered, you see, I'm not a fisherman. And one time, it was over 20 years ago, he and John and, uh, had gone to the coast down on the Texas coast. Have you guys ever been fishing down there? Or have you ever been fishing? I know you've been fishing, right? <laughs> I remembered something really special. I didn't go because I don't really like to fish. But while they were down there, I was reading a book. I can't even tell you now what it was, but um, I just told the Lord, you know, I don't know where the fish are, but you can see all the fish in the ocean. And uh, I don't know how to fish, but I trust that you can show me where to cast my rod. And so I called my brother, Kenneth, and John and said, I'm coming to the coast and I'm going to catch a fish and I'm telling you why. It's because the Lord is going to lead me to cast my rod where I should. And I went down there the next day and you guys, they have tried for years. Well, my brother won every fishing tournament in the world, but John and my kids, all they could think about was going to the coast and fishing in the Star, the Star Tournament, was that the name of it? Um, so you know what he used these balloons for? You blow them up and you tie them on your fishing line and you cast as far as you can way out in the Gulf and you watch that balloon and when you see it bobbing a little bit, you jerk your line and you reel in a fish. And you know what? <laughs> I caught a 54-pound kingfish <laughs> and placed in the star tournament. <laughs> Go figure. So, you know, I've talked to y'all about balloons before and that this is just a, a limp piece of, what's this even made of? Latex, rubber or something? But it can't do anything like this. It, it's not good for anything, is it? But if you, and let me ask you this too. 
Can you see what I just blew out? Did you see something come out of my mouth? It's invisible, isn't it? You can't see it. But if I do this, you can see something that happened because of the air that I blew in it, right? But if I let the air out, it's still just an empty balloon that's not, it can't do anything. You think I could catch a fish if I threw that out in the water? No, but if I, if I blow it up, it'll work for me. Now, I told you I was probably gonna ramble this morning. If I let this go, it does go somewhere, right? Was it the balloon that moved itself? No, it was the air inside of it that caused it to move. It's the same way with us. We're just a limp, dead balloon, but the Holy Spirit of God, I mean, God himself, speaks to your heart, and he says, Jesus Christ is real. Jesus Christ died for you. Come to me. That's the Holy Spirit speaking in your heart. Listen, if you hear his voice, you may not be old enough to really understand all that he did for you, but really tune your ears to listen what he did for you and then he comes and fills you up and makes you do what you were created to do that balloon was created for in that in that instance to help help me catch the biggest fish i ever caught in my life when the holy spirit comes and lives with with inside of you you can see somebody that used to be dead You can see love inside somebody like Linda Randolph. And when she loves you, that's the Holy Spirit working inside of her. You can see joy in somebody like Brooke because it just bubbles over. That's the Holy Spirit. You can see faithfulness in people like Brandon and Larry so faithful to this church that's the holy spirit making them into what god created them to be so listen tune your ears and if you ever hear him whisper in your heart follow him let's pray father god i just thank you for these beautiful children lord i pray that you will whisper in their hearts and draw them to yourself. Father, I thank you for this church and for the discipleship of these children. Father, I just pray that you would raise up a generation of God-fearing, God-loving children right out of this church in Cherokee, Texas. 
And Father, I praise you that you chose in your infinite wisdom that when Jesus Christ came and did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves and when he gave his life willingly and went back to sit at your right hand that you sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And Father, what joy it is to look around and see you in the people around us. Father, we love you and we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. If you'll take your copy of God's Word and turn to Psalm 30. be reading from Psalm 30, the entire Psalm, verse 1 through 12, a Psalm of David, a song at the dedication of the temple. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. As for me... I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. For your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. So if you go all the way back to the children of Israel, these were their David would come out and say, here's the transparency, and they'd put it on the overhead projector, (laughs) shoot it up on the side of a mountain, and everybody would sing this together. So we read those because that's what they did. What a thought to stand in front of the congregation and say, my life stinks right now, and if it weren't for God, I would be hopeless Because how many of us have felt that this week? Let's sing this song together about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
something odd. Sorry, Shannon. It's going to be odd. Somebody say out, what is God to you? What is Jesus to you? Salvation. I'm a teacher, so I'm used to standing with, waiting for a response. that holds us in place. When my job stinks, he is my provider.
Jesus, you are enough. And though we don't deserve it, you have died to save us. Be glorified in this place today. Save those who do not know you and lead the rest of us to the repentance in areas that we know we need repentance in. You be glorified in us today. In the name of Jesus Christ, all God's people said, Amen. 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 If you would, please take your copy of God's Word. Turn to the book of Luke. We'll be in Luke chapter 2 this morning. If you didn't bring a copy of God's Word, I encourage you to do so. Every Sunday, walk through the door with your copy of God's Word. We're going to be looking at a, a verse of Scripture that a lot of times we wind up looking at around Christmas time. Uh, we're in Luke 2. That's where the Christmas story is. But we're going to be looking at, after Jesus was born, uh, some events in, in His life where He's just kind of, in a sense, playing a bit part. There are other people that seem to come to the front, but Jesus is there. And he is recognized by a man named Simeon as the consolation of Israel. So the, the title of this morning's message is, My Jesus, I Love Thee, Our Consolation. Luke 2, 22 to 35. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 35. This is God's Word. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed." Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this text of Scripture, and we thank you that Christ Jesus is our consolation. Lord, if there are any here today that do not have Christ Jesus as their consolation, we pray that they would understand what that means, why they need it, and that you would break their hearts today, work in them that they might understand and see Jesus, their consolation. They would repent of their sin. They would flee to Christ They'd fall before Him in repentance and faith and be raised to walk in newness of life. Prayed in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. As we consider this morning uh, the text before us, something Luke wrote might have tripped you up just a little bit. He says in verse 25 that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And we might have stumbled over this word because we frequently use it in a negative way. 
is what I mean by that. Someone goes on a game show, and uh, they don't do so well. They don't wind up making it to uh, the final game where they can win all these cash and prizes, and, and they're shown the door. They get what is commonly called a consolation prize. Uh, you got to come on the show, but you're one of the losers of the day, and so if you'll just take on going out and take your consolation prize, or if you have uh, ever played uh, baseball, softball, um, uh, even uh, on uh, in other levels of, of football, uh, uh, Division Three, where they actually have a tournament. Uh, and as long as you win, you get to keep playing in those type tournaments. But like in basketball and softball, baseball, you can actually go into the consolation bracket. It's commonly called the loser's bracket. So when we hear the word consolation, we don't, yeah, you're laughing, but that's what it's called. <laughs> it's often called the loser's bracket. Uh, but you get to keep playing. But really, that's not what consolation means. Not here. This is used in a positive way. Consolation really means, in this text, um, just in a general sense, whatever consoles or comforts. Now you think about, and I think we're all familiar with the Peanuts cartoon. And there's a character that uh, carried around a blanket. It was his security blanket. He was always consoled or comforted by that security blanket. You know, we're talking about Linus. And you who are parents, you remember the days when your kids needed something to console them, their favorite blankie, their binky, their boppy, whatever you called it. They had to have that thing or they weren't happy. And I always never knew what it was they needed. Stephanie instinctively knew, no, not that, it's this. So I was the unconsoling parent. She was the consoling parent. Now, from a biblical standpoint, this way of understanding consolation um, comes into play and is kind of in the background of what um, Luke is saying in Isaiah. Uh, this is a book, uh, a prophetic book, that uh, for the first 39 chapters of the book, it's, it's really not good news. Uh, God is prophesying to Israel through Isaiah and he's telling Israel, things are not looking good for you because you have turned your back on me and I'm going to bring judgment upon you. Chapter 40 anticipates in the future that their judgment is over, that God has brought them out of the exile by which He judged them for their sin. And now He's going to console them. And in Isaiah 40, verse 1, it says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. So when Simeon is described as waiting for the consolation of Israel, Luke has Isaiah Verse 40, chapter 40, verse 1 in mind. This is a great name for a pastor. I'm glad it's not mine. But Hercules Collins, isn't that a great name? Hercules Collins. He's a 17th century Baptist pastor. And he adapted a catechism um, and made it a Baptist catechism. And the very first question in that Baptist catechism is this. What is your only comfort in life and death? This is a great diagnostic question. It's very pointed. Now you might, as you're sitting there thinking about, or if you pose this question to someone um, who wasn't a Christian, what is your only hope in life and death? And they might, you might even respond, my only hope? I mean, I can think of a lot of things that bring me comfort. I can eat comfort food, you know, nothing better than a good old chicken pot pie, some good comfort food, or dad's favorite pancakes, you know, a nice meal 
some comfort food. Or maybe it's, you know, after a long day, you want to console yourself with a nice movie. Or you want to hang around with your family and have game night. Or maybe your job is a a consolation. Or maybe your job's not a consolation. (laughs) Maybe you have a rough week. Maybe it's a hobby or friends. But if you press the question more, uh, you know, the question said only. What is your only comfort in life and death? Well, a lot of times I think if you press somebody, they're going to say, well, it's, it's probably my family. Well, what about the times when you need comfort in a tough time with your family? You're going to need something else, right? Well, you turn to that thing, and then you're going to need comfort. And some, at some point from that thing, you're going to turn to something else. That's why this question is such a great question. And it, re- it helps us to realize that nothing on this earth can be a standalone, ultimate, and unassailable comfort in life and death. Nothing can meet the need of consolation in this temporal plane. So that brings us to the first point, which is the need of consolation. Why do we need consolation? I can think of two reasons. Um, and, and one of these comes from the text. The fact that you're, you're coping with a broken world. You know, Israel lived in a, in a broken world. We live in a broken world. A world where there's sin, there's misery. Because of sin, there's death. We live in a world that because of the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden is under the tyranny of the devil. It's, it's evil. We live in a world that seems to be out of control. We live in a world that's under condemnation. We live in a world that seems to lack purpose. And so often we turn to comfort. We turn to things that don't satisfy us. We use them a lot of times just to take our minds off of things. You know, the Romans, they were really good. You know, they built grand things that would get people's minds off of their problems. They called it bread and circuses. It's the bread and circuses approach. So if, if we fill your belly and we give you some entertainment, it'll keep your mind off of your troubles. But ultimately, the pills, the bottle whatever you're looking at online, that hobby, whatever it is, it fails you. It does not satisfy you. It will not help you cope with life in a broken world. There also is a need of consolation, and in, in, in this is really the point of the text, waiting in a broken world. See, Simeon is described, he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. Why does Israel need to be consoled? Well, there's a number of reasons. One, they're God's chosen people. As I just mentioned earlier from Isaiah, they had been exiled. They had been captured. God gave them over in judgment to both Assyria and Babylon. Now, having come home, they're under Roman occupation. Furthermore, there has been no prophetic word from the Lord for 400 years. There's no king from the line of David sitting on the throne as God had promised. And the coming Messiah that they all pinned their hopes on, he hasn't arrived yet. See, this is why Simeon is waiting in a broken world. And how he's trying to cope with waiting in a broken world as he is looking to the consolation, this promised Messiah. 
And what we need to understand here, why this text is so important, is the consolation for the entire world is wrapped up in Israel seeing its consolation face to face. See, the need is great. And unless God acts to bring His consolation to Israel, then the world has no way to cope. But yet we do see, this is the second point, God's work in consolation. If we look at this text, it basically breaks down into two stories. There are two earthly stories of faith and obedience. It's beautiful. I love this text. The more I looked at it, the more I thought, this is just a precious jewel of truth. If you just turn it in so many different ways, there's so much depth and breadth. It's nearly breathtaking in all that it has in it. Well, the first story that's revealed to us starting verse 22, is that it's the story of, G- of Joseph and Mary and Jesus. It, notice in the text that the words, according to the law or the law of Moses or the law of the Lord, it appears four times in the text. It first appears in verse 22 talking about purification. You know, after Mary gave birth, eight days later, Christ was going to be, and this was standard for all Jewish boys, they were going to be circumcised on the eighth day. And at that day, on that day, they would be, uh, they would receive their name. But then the eighth day is also the first day of 33 days of purification for Mary. And so the, at the end of 40 days, now they've come to the temple, according to the law of Moses, to bring Jesus to Jerusalem. And also there, according to the law, to present him to the Lord, as verse 23 tells us. Then also there, sacrifice was to be made according to verse 24. So you have the story of Mary and Joseph and Jesus, and they're just doing what they know they are supposed to do. The law of the Lord says this, we're Jews, we want to be faithful and obedient in our commitment to God, even though we look around and we see that things are not great. Our faith still is in God. So we will obey His law, we will obey His commandments, and we will go to the temple believing that He is on His throne. See, this is why you can say that Mary and Joseph, they are people, even though in the text it says that Simeon is righteous and devout, so are Mary and Joseph. They are committed to the Lord. In fact, in in Matthew, when uh, Joseph was wanting to put Mary away, it says that he was a righteous man. When the angel comes to visit Mary... uh, She's called the favored one. I think it's more than just the fact that she was going to be the mother of Christ. It's that she was a devout Jewish woman. So there's that story, but then also there's the second story, the story of Simeon. Simeon uh, has been waiting for the consolation of the Lord. And so Mary and Joseph come, bring the baby, and he says, he breaks out in song, I believe, um, because... In your Bible, you might see that um, verses 29 to 32, they kind of look a different way in the text. That's because this is poetry. It's very likely that under the the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, He just bursts out in song. You know, sometimes you're just so happy over something that you just have a little tune that just comes flowing right out of your heart. This is what's happening with Simeon. The text describes him as righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of the Lord. And when he sees... The the child Jesus. He says, verse 29, Lord, you are now, now you are letting your servant depart in peace.
according to your word. See, the Spirit in the text tells us that the Spirit had revealed to him that he was not going to die prior to seeing Jesus in the flesh. And so he says, Lord, your word is true. You did exactly what you told me you were going to do. So there's two stories of faith and obedience that are on an earthly level, but there's an overarching story of covenant faithfulness. See, Mary and Joseph and Jesus, they were active in their covenant faithfulness, but God is also active in His covenant faithfulness to Mary and Joseph, to the nation of Israel. And we can see in the text that it's actually... When we say God's work, it's a Trinitarian effort. We see God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. With God the Father, we see Him working through His law. How was He going to get the consolation of Israel before the face of a man that God had promised? You will see it before you die. It was through the covenant faithfulness of Mary and Joseph. See, God is sovereign to work His will through people being obedient in covenant faithfulness. God even, I believe, provides the sacrifice needed for Mary and Joseph for purification. What they wound up giving demonstrates that they weren't well-to-do. They needed help, and God provided the help that they needed in order to be obedient. But we also see God working as It says um, in verse 31 that He's preparing His salvation in the sight of all the peoples, in the presence of all the peoples. So God is sovereign even over worldly affairs. What He was doing through Jesus Christ, He wasn't hiding behind a curtain so that one day He could raise the curtain, raise the shade, open it up and say, Hey, look what I've been doing. I've been hiding it from you this whole time. That is not what God has done. He has been working in the affairs of man. So he's not only sovereign over his people, he's sovereign over what's going on in the church. We see God the Son here also. Of course, he's kind of, in some ways, a bit player. He has no words. He takes no actions. Actions are performed for him. But notice that the lawgiver now becomes the law keeper. Why do I say He's the lawgiver? Because before Christ ever came to earth, He existed eternally with the Father. And so when the law was given to Moses, Christ was the lawgiver there. And so the lawgiver becomes the lawkeeper. He's circumcised on the eighth day. He's purified according to the law of the Lord. He's presented according to the law of the Lord. And why is this so important? So that Christ could have perfect Righteousness under the law. If he did not have perfect righteousness under the law, he would be no consolation for any of us. But Christ is also, as Simeon says, glory to your people Israel. See, Simeon was waiting just like many other people had probably been waiting. Lord, when? How much longer? When is he coming? But now that Christ has arrived... Simeon says he is glory to your people Israel. God, your covenant faithfulness has been proven true in bringing the promised Messiah to us. We also see here work of God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is upon Simeon. Verse verse 25 says, it reveals to him, verse 26 He's going to see Christ before he dies. And in verse 27, the Spirit leads him into the temple when Mary and Joseph had brought Jesus. 
See, God, we can't say that God was just doing nothing while history was happening. No, God was working for consolation. He knows the need and He was working for it. I want to pinpoint a little bit more Christ's work in consolation. Because this is why this is so important. See, Christ accomplished what was required for our salvation. And you can find it in this text. First of all, in verse 34, Simeon says that, Behold, this child is appointed. Appointed. What that means? That means in eternity past, God the Father and God the Son predetermined that the Son was going to come to the earth and be our salvation. Verse 23 says, Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. In in accordance with the predetermined plan of the Father, the Son submitted to the will of the Father and humiliated Himself. And when I say humiliated, I mean He humbled Himself. He gave up His glory and took on human flesh, humbled Himself, became incarnate. Verse 35, In the blessing... Simeon says to Mary, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. He's talking there about the day that she will watch her one and only, or her, her beloved son on the cross, mutilated, bleeding, dying, and the sword pierced her soul. Verse 30. Simeon says, my eyes have seen your salvation. Verse 32, he says that the Savior, this consolation is light for revelation to the Gentiles' glory. He's going to be the revelation of God to the world of salvation. But then verse 34 and 35, Simeon recognizes that the work of Christ, some folks will simply not acknowledge it. Verse 34 and 35, he says, This child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, and then skip to the end of verse 35, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Christ is going to come to convict, to divide sheep from goats, and to condemn the goats. So Christ in Himself accomplished what was required for salvation so that we might have consolation. Now we come finally to God's offer of consolation. And here's what I need us to understand, especially if you have never become, if you are not a Christian, if you are not a believer, you need to understand this. God offers the consolation the world needs, not the consolation it wants. God gives the consolation we need, not the consolation that we want. See, Israel thought that they needed a military leader a king, because they were tired of being under the Romans. They wanted a a, a king from the line of David to ascend to the throne and to defeat the Romans and, and to remove the scourge of the Romans from their land and to usher in a time of prosperity and peace for Israel. That's what they wanted. And if they had gotten what they had wanted, they would have died in their sin. That's why it's so important to understand. God offers the consolation the world needs, not the consolation it wants. See, the earthly things that 
we use to console ourselves, it's not going to bring ultimate consolation or comfort. Jesus is the consolation you need. And Jesus is the only consolation God offers. And in Him, we have hope in life and death because He is for us our salvation. He is for us our justification because He was righteous under the law as we saw here in the text. He alone could go to the cross while Mary's soul was being pierced by a sword because her son was dying on the cross for her righteousness that she might have salvation. Jesus is our hope in life because He is our sanctification. He is the only one that can cause us now to live for Him. He's with us through His constant presence through the Holy Spirit. And that's so important to realize that Jesus is our consolation in this way that He's near to us because He was and is one of us. Being human like us and having lived in a broken world, Jesus knows what it's like to endure temptation. He can console you. He knows what it's like to suffer. He he cried over his friend Lazarus. He can console you. He knows what it's like to experience heartbreak, betrayal, loneliness, pain, desertion, need. So he can comfort you in your time of need. Christ gives us wisdom through His Word. He gives us strength to persevere and gives us hope for the day to come when we will be present with Him, see Him face to face in glory. So Christian, I need to ask you, are you turning to Christ for consolation? What is it that you turn to in your consolation? Is it it self-reliance? Has that really been helpful for you that you feel like you can just kind of figure your way out of this thing? If I just apply myself hard enough and long enough, I'm going to figure my way out of this. Eventually you'll wind up against something. You'll get that phone call that your heart sinks into your stomach. You're like, I can't think my way out. I can't reason my way out. I can't work my way out. What are you going to turn to then? It's at that point you may have realized that All this time I've been depending upon myself and I have not turned to my Savior for consolation. You know, you can turn to Christ through His Word. How important it is for us to open the Scriptures and to be consoled by its truth. How important it is for us to spend time in prayer with our God and there to receive consolation. He knows the request we're bringing to Him before we ever ask. And the consolation is ready. And Christ also offers His consolation through the church. I want you to notice this. This is so crucial. God brought Simeon and Israel and the rest of the world consolation at the place where God meets with His people where God's people publicly obeyed His commands. That is no coincidence. It is, it's, it's instructive for us that we need to be here with each other. Because Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with we ourselves have been comforted by 
God. And if we stay apart, how do we get how do I give to you the comfort with which I've been comforted by God if you're not here and likewise? So God has an offer of consolation. And it's for us in the waiting. And we're like Simeon. We're waiting, Lord, how much longer before you come? How much longer? How many more Ukraines? How many more Hades? How much more decline are we going to see in our world before you come? And when our hearts are heavy in the waiting, we go to Christ and He consoles us. I want to end where I first started. What is your only comfort in life and death? I asked the question, but a catechism is ask the question and then memorize the answer. This is the answer. That I am not my own but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with His precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of the Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to Him, Christ, by His Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for Him. And that says a lot. There's a lot of substance there. There's also a lot of comfort there. I encourage you, if you've never taken the time, uh, look up Hercules Collins' Catechism. It's great. Scripture proofs in it. Because it's one thing to to take this truth and wonder where it came from. But when you can see, connect Scripture right to it, you go, oh, this has got an anchor spot to it. I can go to this Scripture any time and I can be consoled. What is your only comfort in life and death? Christ alone. Now, do you know how I know that Christ is your comfort in life and death? I'll tell you why. Because I heard you sing those songs. The songs that we sang this morning, yeah, I don't know if you know this, you probably do, James and I, we, 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 we kind of collaborate on how the service is going to look. James picked these songs so that our hearts might sing about our consolation. How do I know He's your consolation? I could hear you. I could not only hear your voices, I could hear your heart. They're your voices. He's our consolation. But a question I have for you, unbeliever. What are you waiting on? Nothing this world offers you. Nothing this world offers you can do what Christ can do. Save you from your sins. Break the tyranny of the devil. Watch over you in such a way that God's hand is demonstrably on your life. So there's no thing as chance in your life. God's hand upon you. And He transforms your heart, making you willing to follow Him and to love Him and to serve Him. And to have all of that experience and head knowledge to know. And I'm different. 
there's, there's something holding on to me harder than I'm holding on to it. And it's not letting go. And because I know that, I'm so comforted. Only Christ can do that for you. Father, I pray that as we have consoled ourselves and comforted ourselves, whatever week we've had, with what we've learned in this text, Lord, join our hearts even deeper to our Savior, that we might be comforted through Him. Lord, if there are any here that don't know Christ as Savior and Lord, I pray today would be the day. Today would be the day of salvation. Pray it in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to sing, I need thee every hour, so I encourage you to stand and sing with us. updates from our prayer list um, Crystal good to see you here Crystal Bench is on our prayer list and uh, anything you want to rep- we're not trying to put you on the spot so you never come back <laughs> how are you feeling okay Praise God. Um, so Garrett this week is having a... Is, is it this week his sleep study is? The next week or two. Next week or two. You know, Garrett had a grand mal seizure, so he's going to have a sleep study done, so we need to be praying for him. And then Olivia is going to be hooked up to some equipment tomorrow through Wednesday uh, to kind of diagnose some issues as of late. Is that accurate? Okay, so be praying for that. Um, continue to pray for Ben. Um, it's good to see uh, Nell Foreman here yesterday. Praise God for that. Um, there have been a few deaths that we want to just make sure and remind you of. Pray for those families. Uh, Nettie Oma Carpenter, uh, Tamaria Scott family, Will Shannon family. Uh, keep praying for Mike Garcia. He had a procedure done this week on his liver. Is uh, It should be should be close, uh, maybe first part of the week before they get uh, some news on what they found. I ask you to pray for my stepmom, Bonnie. Uh, she's been diagnosed with a slight case of colitis, and it's really kind of taking a toll on her right now. Um, 
Any other updates that you want to share? Any prayer requests you want to share? I do want to point out that last Sunday morning was pretty, pretty special um, to realize that at the exact moment um, that we were praying for, for Porky, um, he was in a, a great hour of need. And Mary Catherine has, has indicated how much that comforted her. Um, so I appreciate you breaking the ice there. I know it still it hurts. We're with you. Um, but if you ever need to share something, this is a safe place to do it. Well, let's stand and pray. We'll say the Great Commission together and be dismissed. Father, we are grateful, uh, Lord, for this day and uh, for your hand upon those that are on our prayer list. Father, we do pray for Garrett uh, and for Olivia and uh, the procedures they're going to have done soon. Pray for families that have lost loved ones and ask that you continue to console them. We lift up Mike Garcia to you, Lord, and ask that you uh, give the doctors wisdom. uh, Help them to to be able to see from the test what needs to happen next in his life. Uh, We're thankful that Crystal's having a good day. Pray for continued blessing upon their family. We're thankful for those that have visited here with us this morning, God, and pray that they've received a blessing. Lord, we love you. We praise you for being our great physician and and for being our consoler. Pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's say the Great Commission together will be dismissed. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always.